This is Viterbi Voices. Coming to you from the University of Southern California, Viterbi School of Engineering. We're here to give you the inside scoop on research, classes, student life, and so much more. All of these shared by students, faculty, alumni, and other members of the USC community. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Turby Voices. Uh, as usual, I am one of your hosts. My name is Paul Ledesma. I'm the Executive Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And hello, every listener. I'm your other co-host, Maya Neuenschwander, <laughs> current current junior studying industrial and systems engineering. I was trying to switch it up, Paul. <laughs> no, I, I dig it. What I'm trying to understand is what's more inclusive. I said everybody and you said every listener. Uh, is there is there a difference of inclusion there? Did, did, that, did I leave somebody out? Did you leave somebody out? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it maybe made, it somebody... made me think about it. It's, it's a philosophical thought. Like, do people have bodies or are some people not listening? I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's like a dog listening, you know? <laughs> Like, hey, person that's randomly going by the speaker that's not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> well, with that, what a great way to start off the episode uh, and, and for us to think about, you know, whether every person is a listener or every listener is a person. Uh, let's welcome our, our brand new contributor to the podcast, it, Mr. Guest. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Vidya Iyer. I'm a sophomore studying environmental engineering here at USC. Um, and I'm going to be talking about environmental engineering research with uh, my the my PhD student mentor um, for the my podcast today. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into that, uh, Vidya, where are you from? Um, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. And you said you're. Did you say sophomore? Did you say that? Yes, sophomore. All right, cool. Yeah, you said sophomore. Cool. Um, for some reason, I always think you're older than that. But the, anyways, <laughs> welcome and thank you for for being here on the podcast. Uh, Vidya, are you a big podcast listener? I, I know I can't focus when I listen. I like to how you're like deciding whether to tell me no or not. I, can see <laughs> I was like, I was like, I, how should I, I, how should I tell my boss that I don't like listening to podcasts? Like, um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. Then get out. I don't know what you're doing here. Oh my <laughs> mm-hmm. God. Do you, do you like making the podcasts or did you enjoy this? <laughs> I, okay. I thought it was fun. I, I did okay. like that. I thought okay. it was like, I like interviewing people. I think that's cute. Okay. So and, I, and, I had fun with that. Will you listen to your own episode when this is up? Are you listening? Will no, you I will not listener be listening to my I will not be listening to my episode, and I know that my PhD student mentor will also not be listening to the episode. Wow, you are just selling everybody on this episode. I don't like the sound of my voice, but maybe, maybe, maybe it's 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 not me. I'm not. I'm not the topic. It's the environmental. Mm. It's phenomenal. But before we get, I want to get into your topic in just a second. But a real quick moment. This is the week of Thanksgiving. And people are about to head out. Uh, tell everybody what you're. Do you all have plans for this week? What how? What is your traditional way of doing things? Do you have any traditions? Is it just time away from school that you're celebrating? Maya, what's your plan? So my plan is to. I'm going back to the Midwest. It's very cold right now. Apparently, fall colors. Right? Are you looking forward to the fall colors? I'm assuming I, they, the fall color conversation is coming up. <laughs> 
Yes, but um, the fall colors are all gone now, unfortunately. Yes, the fall um, colors winter. are all gone. <laughs> yes, it, it, it winter has come. Um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, for all of you listening, and it. my parents text me every day like, oh, the weather's about 10 degrees right now. We got like three, four inches of snow. We're expecting to get more. So I think the low when I get there, like the Monday before Thanksgiving, is um, I think it's five degrees. What? So that, that's about what I'm going home to. But regardless, I'm very excited to see my family. I feel the exact same way as someone else that's from oh the Midwest. Oh my gosh, did we lose her? Oh, am I? Oh, you're good. Okay, you're good Okay, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I am also from the Midwest, right? And my mom sent me a text this morning. She goes, it's warmer and sunnier when you're here, and the high does not get above 41 degrees. Oh, jeez. So, super warm and sunny when I get home. Really excited. And, I don't and think I own wore clothes warm enough to go back to Iowa anymore. So do do people talk about uh, like your blood has thinned because you're out here now? Like like people, you go back and it feels colder. Have you ever heard that term? I've never heard that. Um, I just normally get some grief from my parents when I'm wearing a jacket in California. They're like, "How are you wearing a jacket? You're from the Midwest." I'm like, <laughs> "I was I've been born cold." I don't know. I go back and I just try not to go outside. Got that's it. my that's what I do too. But my parents, if it snows while I'm at home, they will have me shovel it. So mm-hmm. welcome home. <laughs> guaranteed yeah. to make you not want to go back. Uh, exactly. Again, right. Now now I'm always curious about Thanksgiving in general, because everybody I think has different things that they do. Uh what 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 is what is Thanksgiving to each of you? Mm. Like is it what what kind of food? Is it traditional, like what you see, you know, the, the turkey and the stuffing and all that stuff, or do you mm-hmm. do something different? Yes, we we do the we do the full traditional Thanksgiving. We make a turkey. It's normally just the five of us, like who are in my immediate family. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of food. It's Thanksgiving for about three weeks, which my dad is excited about, and the rest of us we're not turkey people, but we'll oh, still oh. we'll eat it one day. Well, what uh, is your what is your go to? What's the thing you're most excited about on the Thanksgiving table? I make a mean mac and cheese. That's okay. that's that's my that's my Thanksgiving. Okay. what I always look forward to. Okay, video. Um, I think our family doesn't really celebrate Thanksgiving as such. Um, yeah. My, I mean, like. I know a lot of people don't, which is why I was asking. Like, yeah, what, yeah, what exactly. is Thanksgiving to you? I think um, for us, like, we just sort of use it as an, my dad really likes to cook, like, those expansive meals. So he takes it as an excuse to just make an expansive meal. Sometimes it's, it, we usually do it on the Thanksgiving day, but if that doesn't work, we'll do it on, like, the weekend after because everyone's sure. very busy. Um, but, yeah, I think for us, it's just, like, a time for us to, like, Cause it's just me and my um, yeah. immediate family. Right. Um, and we just sort of like hang out. I don't know. I am what, just like really excited to go home and see my dog. So got it. yeah. What we know is there, is there a typical type of expansive meal or is there something that you request as a change every um, year? So where my family is vegetarian. So mm-hmm. my dad likes to make like things that are usually have meat in it, but make it vegetarian. So he'll usually alternate between lasagna and shepherd's pie. That's mm. like vegetarian. Um, and then we always just get like, like my family is just like obsessed with pie. So we get like so much pie and that's, we just eat that for like. What's what? What's the one pie you want to make sure you have? So I love pumpkin pie and I'm the only person in my family likes pumpkin pie. And then really? my mom likes pecan pie. She's uh-huh. the only one who likes that. And then my dad likes apple pie. He's not the only one that likes that, but like, I don't have to fight with anyone else to get my slice of pumpkin pie. Which is well, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Did, did, yeah. Now on the pumpkin pie, do you put the whipped cream on top? Do you put the cool whip on top or are you just going bare bones? Just, yeah, just eat it. 
Really? Have you yeah. have you tried the whipped cream or the Cool Whip? I haven't, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I haven't tried it. Maybe I should. I don't mm. know. We don't have gonna, whipped cream at home. I'm going to recommend Cool Whip. Okay. It, okay. It, it, it is a. Uh, it, it's relative. It's it's a thing from the '80s. It, you know, you find it in the frozen <laughs> section. It's not dairy. It's like a weird oil that they whipped into a frenzy. But for some reason, for me, Cool Whip on top of pumpkin pie is amazing. Mm. Okay. If I can find it, I'll try it out. I'll let if you, you know. find it. It's in the store. It, it, it's yeah. in the store. Like it will, like absolutely will be there. Freezer section to the cold mm-hmm. cool whip it's or it's, it's non dairy whipped cream, uh, non dairy okay. whipped topping, I think is what it's called. You're not selling the cool whip. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. It's so good. I'm, we're a cool whip family too. Cool whip is disgusting okay. when you know what it's made out of, but it okay. is delicious. All right. All right. I believe you. I believe and they've you. got different ones now. They've got like coconut based ones and stuff like mm-hmm. that which are you know it's much more modern yeah we- uh, maya pie let's have a conversation pie where are you going with here I, I i noticed on the tv the other day they were doing a uh, bracket a tournament of pies for thanksgiving mm-hmm. you know like who was going to win uh you know all the different pies that are out there and, and definitely video's got the voting for pumpkin mm-hmm. see i'm i'm like a very berry pie i like something very tart berry. so um, berry or a blackberry Yes. Hi. Okay. Do you guys know what Perkins is? Yes. Yes. No. Okay. It's a Midwestern thing. I'm sure. Is it a Midwestern thing? It sure sounds oh. like it. Yes. They're, um. So, anyways, it's this place. They have a bunch of pies. Anyways, they make this wild berry pie that's like perfectly tart. I think it's raspberries, blackberries, blueberries. That's my favorite pie, warmed up with vanilla ice cream and some cool whipped. We have it. Perkins restaurants. Yes. It's like it's like Denny's but better. It's like, Got it. A higher quality class Denny's. Do okay, they have so and, and, in California? No, they do not. So I'm on their website right now, and it is <laughs> definitely centered around Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> it, it's kind of like it kind of like came from there, right? Like there's mm. 46 locations inside of where you're from. <laughs> yeah, and then it just kind of keeps blending out from there, but it doesn't get anywhere near California, as far as I can tell. Wait, so let me ask this question: Do you all know what Coco's is? No. Or Marie Callender's? Yes. Marie Callender's. That's really familiar, but I don't know what it is. So I think what Perkins is, is Coco's out here. Like, that's the same equivalent. Uh, a Coco's is a West Coast thing. Uh, like, people get pies there. Marie Callender's would get pies there a lot. It's a West Coast thing. It's a California thing. Um, I am a huge... Thanks for asking, by the way. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I guess I'm going to have my own conversation here. <laughs> uh, with... What my <laughs> I was gonna ask or say, Paul, are you are you really hungry today? <laughs> well, everybody knows this. If you start talking about food, I'm gonna go on. And when we get to Thanksgiving, I am all about the food, right? Like that's a, that's a thing for me, and I have very particular things. But uh, pumpkin, I'm I'm dead on Vidya. It's it's a it's a big deal to me. I like pumpkin, and I and I will throw that that whipped topping on it. And pecan is my, one of my favorites because it rarely comes around. Because a lot of people don't like it, at least the people in, in my circle, and it really upsets me. Um, and there, I think one of the issues is there's a lot of bad pecan pies. Um, there aren't like to get a good one to know you had a good one is a really important because sometimes it gets like really jelly and nasty and just you know all the place. And then that that creates the ongoing debate of pecan or pecan. Where do you all sit on this? Pecan, 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 because it came from a native word. And it, the native word is is like sounds like pecan, so that's really why yeah. So pecan See, pecan. this is why we have these important conversations mm-hmm. about food. So I'm glad to hear it. Well, good. 
Um, well, I'm excited. I hope you all have a restful break, and I hope that everyone out there listening has uh, a, a restful break, a little, a little break from the norm a little bit as we get into the winter seasons. Um, and if you're celebrating Thanksgiving, uh, then I wish you all a, a very happy Thanksgiving that are out there. Um, or just a, a really good reason to have a big, huge meal uh, as much mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to the topic at hand. This is all about environmental engineering research, but it's a very specific type of environmental engineering research related to water. Vigie, do you want to prime everybody up for what we're about to listen to? Yeah. So I work in Dr. McCurry's lab and Dr. McCurry is one of the professors here at USC whose focus is very much in wastewater reuse, which is the concept where we use water that is considered waste, like water that goes through the sewers from the taps, um, purify it and turn it back into water that's safe to drink. Um, And here in Los Angeles, it's kind of a big deal because like we don't have any natural sources of water here um, surrounding what we're in the middle of the desert. We have to basically import all of our water and we know that there's a huge water crisis and we have to like be very cognizant about our water intake. Um, So being able to successfully implement wastewater reuse facilities throughout Los Angeles and in Southern California, and also in other very arid cities across like the United States, but also the world would be a huge step in the right direction um, in being able to like rectify some of those like, um, water inequities that we see a lot here. Mm-hmm. Um, so my research specifically is, I think the title is oxidizing trace aldehydes in drinking water, which is like a crazy title, but essentially what happens is, um, we take heavy metals or, uh, the heavy metal that we're using is platinum and mm-hmm. we're putting that onto little bits of charcoal. So little bits of charcoal like this big, but the platinum is microscopic. Um, and those, create these things called active sites on the charcoal and the active sites are what do the oxidation. So if you've taken a chemistry class, you know what redox reactions are. Um, So this is the oxidation part of it where um, we are oxidizing the aldehydes that come through the water um, and turning them into uh, forms that are safe to drink. So if we have an aldehyde, which are carcinogenic, that's why we want to oxidize them because we don't want to have carcinogens in our water. So if we have an aldehyde like formaldehyde, for example, it will be oxidized into a form of formic acid, which is safe to consume. Or if we have acetaldehyde, we'll oxidize that into acetic acid, which is basically just vinegar, which is also safe to consume. So by doing this, um, we can uh, further purify water um, through the wastewater reuse uh, pathway and just like create a healthy drinking water that... Um, does it take a toll on the environment as much as uh, water does right now? A much more sustainable future. Well, good. Exactly. Let's get out of the way and hand it over to you to talk way more in detail about this research related to wastewater and into drinking water. Hello, everybody. My name is Vidya Ayer, and I'm a sophomore in environmental engineering. Um, Our guest today is Una Kim. She's a PhD student in environmental engineering here at USC, and I work for her in the environmental engineering lab. Um, I'm so excited for everyone to learn more about environmental engineering research here at USC from Una. So let's get started. Do you want to introduce yourself really quick, Una? Uh, Sure. Um, Hello, my name is Una Kim, and I'm a fifth year PhD student working in environmental engineering. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. Um, so first question is, where did you get your undergraduate degree? Just like a little bit about your educational background. Um, yeah, I grew up in Korea and then I went to undergraduate in Korea too. And then I majored in Earth in environmental sciences, not engineering, actually. So what about environmental engineering is interesting to you? And why did you decide to do your PhD in it? 
Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now. If you want to check out what campus is like, if you want to learn more about the Viterbi School of Engineering, go to viterbi.link slash visit. That's V-I-T-E-R-B-I dot link slash visit, where you can learn about our Viterbi visit experiences that happen on most Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional Saturdays. Plus, we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring. We want to meet you. We will have lots of opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long, but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit. Hope to see you soon. Mm, first of all, I really wanted to learn about nature uh, back in my high school like period. And then I really enjoyed it uh, learning about environmental sciences. But then I learned about um, I'm actually more interested in applications. So we learned about like atmosphere or uh, oceanic sciences, but it's not always related to the human environment. So I yeah. wanted to explore more on the human side. That so makes so much sense. No, I feel the same way about my, like, that's why I'm majoring in environmental engineering because I wanted to work more in the applications and not just learning about um, different topics. So what are your primary research projects right now here at USC? Um, it's kind of hard to tell, like, because usually we are working on the multiple projects simultaneously. So uh, one of the, the general idea of a research project in this lab is applying environmental chemistry knowledge to make more clean, drinkable water. So we are adding a lot of disinfectant to get rid of all the um, microbes in the water and also pre prevent them from growing during the distribution system. And then we wanna learn what is the fate of organic compounds in that water during the process and then see if it's gonna be safe to drink for the human health. So yeah, that's it's kind of broad, but that's what we are primarily interested in. So I work with Una in the environmental chemistry lab. So Una, do you mind explaining a little bit more in depth about the project that I'm working with you on? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, we treat drinking water to water we use, and then we pass through a lot of treatment processes, and then we still find some toxic substances at the end of the train. So just before sending to drinking water facility, we were examining the possible toxic substances remaining there, and then it was actually aldehyde, still a lot of them there. So we tried to purify those aldehydes by using catalysts. So we are using heterogeneous catalyst where you support heavy metal on top of the carbon and then change all the aldehydes into innocent compound, which is carboxylic acid. So that's the main goal. And then hopefully we can get rid of all the aldehydes in the water. The work that I've been doing with Una is just a lot of making the catalyst, which is the platinum on the charcoal. So it's just all of baking charcoal and things like that, but it's still super fun. Um, so what sort of work can undergraduates do in the environmental engineering research? Uh, actually, there's a lot of lot of things you guys can do, uh, like Vidya does. 
like you can find the size catalyst, so, but outside it might look really complicated, but the actual lab work is pretty straightforward. So uh, you just make a lot of solution with it and then measure powder and then learn the basic knowledge, how you synthesize the catalyst. Even it doesn't have to be synthesized with catalyst. There's a lot of experiment we do in the lab, but it's not as complicated you would imagine. So um, maybe it'll be hard for you to design the experiment, but once you get used to um, doing a lot of experiment, then you might be able to design your own too. So yeah, I think like um, you guys can do whatever a PhD student can do as for the experiment side. So what would you tell undergraduates who are looking to get involved with the in environmental engineering research? Um, I think um, internship program, undergraduate research uh, is really important because you can pre-experience how it's gonna look like if you pursue going the research field. So if you go straight if you come straight to graduate school, it's kind of hard to understand what's going on here, even though we are in the same campus. I feel like we are living in a totally different world, even though it's within the campus. So it's always a good idea to contact the professor you're interested in and then join and then participate part of the research so that we can expose a little more on the research field. Were you able to do research in your undergrad experience? Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so as I said earlier, I I majored in Earth and Environmental Sciences and Engineering. So I participated some um, experiment, but it was mainly field trip to collect sample because that field was mainly observing nature rather than doing experiment. So it was not as fun as with experiment but yeah I did have experience and then I saw how the PhD uh, life looks like. I'm going to talk a little bit about the CURVE program because I want to plug that as well. That's the way that I got involved in research here at USC. Um, mm -hmm. So the CURVE program is the Center for Undergraduate Research in Viterbi Engineering. I think that's the full expansion of the acronym. Um, and that's how I got to work with Una in the environmental chemistry lab, along with a few other undergraduates this year. Um, and it was a really simple application process. It opens in July and it runs until the beginning of the school year. And you're able to apply um, for your top three different labs. So I picked the environmental chemistry lab as my top choice because I'm an environmental engineer. And that was, that was the one that sounded the most interesting to me. And I also knew other students who had participated in Dr. McCurry's lab before. And I was really fortunate to be able to get accepted to the CURVE program and be able to participate in the environmental research lab. Um, I'm having so much fun being able to learn more about environmental engineering as a profession. And maybe if I want to get into research, you get paid to be in the CURVE program. <laughs> you get a stipend. You get, I think it's like 12 50 or some, I don't know, I don't know, something like that. But I basically get paid $416 a month to do research. And I love doing research. So it's super fun and it's super exciting. Okay, I just have a couple more questions for you, Una. So why did you choose to come to USC to do your PhD? It's kind of a tough question because honestly, I didn't really know about USC back in Korea. I was mm -hmm. more um, interested in my uh, advisor's research field. So because <laughs> PhD students usually pick 
by their advice advisor rather than school itself. Okay, okay. So even though uh, yes, it's pretty prestigious school, I mostly looked at my advisor's research field. We're glad you're here. Um, your, <laughs> Thank you. What's your favorite part about being a PhD student? Just for um, other students who are looking to maybe get a PhD in the future. Actually, I think I can um, say the favorite and then the least favorite parts together. I uh-huh. think it's about the freedom. You can uh, actually, if you want work, if you want work more, you can whenever. But if you don't want to work, you don't have to. There's no other like force to make you work. So, uh, but it's not always the best way of learning new stuff because you always need like driver yourself to jump it in and then like think about it and then you always encounters like struggles you always struggle with stuff because that's how it works uh, mm-hmm. for the, the research but um, if you just lie down your bed and then not think about it nobody's gonna take care about that and then they'll be like there forever like mm-hmm. it's an example like if you don't want to watch Beaker let's say and then you put it on the bench and then it'll be there like forever literally forever yeah. so like it's free free like it's your free decision whether you watch that or not but if you don't watch it'll be there forever and then you know I think I just tried to put analogy to describe the research the research is sometimes goes really well and that you are super motivated and then do the work all the time. But sometimes you encounter trouble and then you don't want to solve and they want to go back home and lie down on the bed. <laughs> and then the day after, it just stay there forever. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my sometimes favorite part when it rolls really well. Can you... Yeah. I don't know if this is something that you can do, but can you, do you have any like specific examples about like really good successes you've had in research, but also some struggles that you've experienced in research? Um, like when I think about um, getting a PhD degree, it's really uh, ask you to do a lot of, lot of um, like professional skills. Like first, maybe you need to do a teaching assistant. So you need to teach students sometimes. Mm-hmm. And also you need to train like video. I need to train like research side. And also um, I need to present something in front of a lot of people. And then to present something, there's a lot of skills required. You know, you need to um, make your good PowerPoint P file and then you have content in it and also you should fluent not just English <laughs> just everything yeah. and also um, other than presentation you need to have a good communication skill to talk to your advisor or mate. so there's a lot of like things you need to learn here and then my main struggle definitely was English <laughs> yeah. because I can never like fully communicate with uh, sometimes professor, sometimes with landmates. So it was the main difficulty initially. But then I learned um, once I reached certain point, it's no longer English problem. As I said earlier, you need to <laughs> have better PPT file. You need to have better content. You have better, uh, you better have nicer idea how to solve your problems 
So yeah, that's, I'm not sure if I went too far or not, but that's the main issue. And then I'm still working on it. I'm not sure when it can be ended, but that's how, how I can uh, learn during the PhD period. My dad has a PhD. So I think that I sort of grew up thinking that I would get a PhD as well. So mm-hmm. being able to be in an atmosphere where I can um, like communicate with you and with a bunch of other PhD students and learn about um, that being a potential track for me as as like continued education has been really useful because mm-hmm. I've been able to like it's not just like my dad telling me like oh this is what getting a PhD is like I'm actually able to like see people getting a PhD like in what I'd want to like mm-hmm. environmental engineering and things like that. So this like lab experience has been so useful for me beyond just gaining like laboratory experience and being able to perform experiments and things like that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, sure. Like seeing other people struggling is really, really yes, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's it's so fun too because like my peers are in this as well. Like Sophia and um, Kevin and Jasmine and all of them are just like there with me too so it's like mm-hmm. I'm doing this experiment but I'm not in like an isolated bubble like I'm able to do it with my friends and with my peers as well as with my mentors like you and Marella and mm-hmm. Dr. McCurry and stuff like that mm-hmm. so I think it's just like I'm so grateful as a student to be able to have this experience um, doing research in environmental engineering and being able to explore um, environmental engineering past like my class being able to do research in environmental engineering makes me feel like I'm actually getting an environmental engineering <laughs> so it's very fun some of the skills that I've gained in this lab when it comes to like lab experience like general pipetting you know like lab etiquette being able to clean things properly <laughs> and, <lot> cleaning. <laughs> um, and then just like random like lab experience like we do like liquid extraction oh my god I've done so much liquid extraction <laughs> Yeah, you did. um, Just like the charcoal, like baking, like the liquid impregnation and things like that. So I don't know, just like random little lab skills. And Una's going to teach me how to use the machine. That's going to be super exciting too. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it's just like, it's so, it's so exciting to be in the lab. And I hope that if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in doing environmental engineering research or research in any field that you will like try your best to join it because I think that it's going to help me out a ton in my future. And I think it'll help you guys out too. Okay, Una, thank you so much for coming and joining this podcast and answering my questions. I'll see you in the lab. Thank you. Bye. All right. Welcome back, everybody. NVIDIA, thank you for um, walking us through your research. As somebody who doesn't necessarily study biology, and I I definitely don't know a lot about all of the specifics when it comes to chemistry, it was really cool to hear um, all the things that you were doing from a scientific perspective, but then also just like above all, like having you explain that to me, that was um, it was super helpful. And actually, your project really reminds me of this group project I'm working on right now. So in my writing class currently, we have this project with Catalina Island and the USC campus out there. Um, And our entire proposal is just to come up with a system for wastewater treatment and like how we would propose they do that on the island because um, water is scarce. Water is a scarce resource in California. And I think on that island, it's particularly bad. So it's really cool to hear about your project and what you're doing. And I'm thinking like, oh, wow, this could totally be applied out to Catalina. Totally. Is this something that um, was always a passion of yours coming from high school? So I 
for my whole life have been incredibly anxious about the climate um, ever since yeah. I learned about climate change as a topic. And I sort of like told myself, I was like, I don't know if I'd be able to pursue a career in which I wasn't doing something um, every day in order to sort of like attack that issue because I would I would feel like I was being idle. And even if my work doesn't have as much of an impact as I would like it to or as much as I would hope it to, at least I'm doing something. And to me, that's enough. So ultimately, I decided I wanted to be an environmental engineer because as Una talked about in the podcast, actually, um, we uh, both felt like we wanted to experience more of the applications of environmental science as opposed to just learning about environmental science and doing research in environmental science. Um, so both of us are really passionate about nature and about the about the environment and how, you know, as engineers, we are, you know, responsible for a lot of the reasons why the environment is deteriorating at such a rate. And it's our job as environmental engineers. Um, I don't want to say to clean up the messes of people who have done things before us, but also to like create a future that, that we can. I say that all the time. <laughs> we can clean, we can like create a sustainable future. Um, as Paul said earlier, um, so that like when engineering and innovation happens, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, it has that backbone of sustainability. So we might not have to worry about these issues um, in the future. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Uh, thank you for bringing this topic to the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with another podcast and we will see you. Later.